Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, wow, I don't even know how many people are watching. Oh, wow, we've got four people watching already. That's crazy. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Well, Richie, why don't you uh, why don't you introduce our guest and then bring us on? I'm going to mute my microphone so I can check oh, really? our live audio. But uh, oh, yeah, right. go ahead and do that. All right. Well, today we have um, a fellow archaeologist, Jenny Hildebrandt, and she's going to talk about, maybe talk about um, what she's doing now that she might not be doing um, field archaeology. Yes. Yay. Because I feel like I feel like a lot of us want to do something that isn't field archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I do at some point, hopefully. Knock on wood, even though this isn't real wood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm doing... Uh... I'm doing both right now too. Probably my, you know, 90% of my finances are coming in from a job that's not, has anything to do with archaeology, not even remotely. Woo! Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's the side hustle that sometimes becomes the front hustle. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to keep archaeology as like a, like a hobby, check in every once in a while. If you can get on something or do something, if it fits your schedule, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, yeah you definitely have it as a career to fall back on. Um, Right. And just because you're you're trying to do something different and add on to your skills and knowledge in archaeology doesn't mean yeah. that you're mm-hmm. like no longer an archaeologist. You're still in archaeology. You're just, yeah. you know, branching out and doing other things and <laughs> Sure. And yeah. You know what's interesting? Every time I work a different job and I tell them that I'm an archaeologist, the response I get is, um, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, uh, All right. let's, yeah, the, so the show is called You Cardless Archaeology, which means we don't talk about anything related to archaeology. Uh, Yay. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so we, we, we should preface this uh, to yeah. anybody watching a recording, because every recording I do these days, I'm like, you know, here's what the date is, because just in case, the, the world is changing so quickly and so rapidly, I want people to know where we're at and what we're doing. So it is May 24th, Memorial Day weekend, actually, a Sunday. Yeah. And uh, I was just telling the um, telling these two before the show, you know, we've gone, we went out yesterday, we went out today. We're not doing anything Memorial Day weekendy. It's just normal things. <laughs> it just happens to be the weekend. Um, in fact, unlike people who have a boat, you know, I went out and got my boat from California, brought it back over to Nevada last weekend. 
and we still don't have it out. Like Lake Tahoe is a shit show on uh, Memorial Day weekend, and they opened all the boat ramps on Friday. And so we're not going to take it up there, but we did spend half the day yesterday cleaning it. You know, it's been sitting in the Delta in San Francisco for eight months, and it's just got this green film on the bottom of it. So, you know, you don't get that in Lake Tahoe <laughs> because it's nice yeah. and clean up there. Yeah. So we spent a bunch of time cleaning it, getting ready, you know, buffing it out. And uh, we're not taking it out this weekend, but we have – it's a nice thing about the jobs that we have. We can pretty much go out anytime we want and just kind of rearrange the <laughs> schedule. So we can go out midweek and, and I can just move my clients around and, uh, you know, talk to them some other time. That's one thing I like about the, the flexibility of remote working, uh, basically. Yeah. So. Oh, I thought you were talking about archaeology because I felt like when I was, you know, in the field, I always feel like it's like one of those things you're not supposed to be able to ask. Everyone says you can ask for time off, (laughs) but everyone always gets mad when you ask for time off. See, the thing is, unless you have a unless you have a permanent like salaried job, um, which let's be honest, most people don't. um, Yeah, you don't need to ask for time off. Just don't take the next project right away. You know, take a few weeks off if you want to and then come back to it. Well, and yeah, the, but, amount of, the amount of overtime that you occur while you're doing field work, too. Sometimes you have enough mm-hmm. time off saved up because you've done so much field work at, you know, 12, 14-hour days, 10 days in a row. I mean, you've got plenty of vacation time saved up. So that allows you to still be able to do that. Oh, I Yeah, must... and you have to – just I want to comment on that because you have yeah. to be careful with that, too, because some of these companies, they, they end up with – uh, in certain time frames, they end up with like back to back to back things and never enough people to do them. And yeah. so then you end up feeling almost guilty asking for time off sometimes. Like, for example, when I was laid off, well, let's say when I was fired from the company <laughs> that you were recently working for, Jenny, uh, probably about eight <laughs> years ago. Um, when I left that job, I actually, uh, my wife quit the day that they let me go. <laughs> and between the two of us, we got about $11,000 in comp time in checks yeah. sent to us. I think mine was like 7000 and I think hers was 4000 or something like that. And uh, I mean, it was a nice little severance package, but yeah. it made me think, Jesus, I should have taken some time off <laughs> the time that I've been here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was it was nice to have, but I, 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 I wish... I wish the corporate culture almost forced people into time off a little more than they do. They just, they'll work you to the bone if you let them, you know, not, and not this company, but any company really. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a common thing. Well, but your mental health and your physical health is just as important. Yeah. You're working, you know, when you get on these long projects and you're doing field work and you're doing, you know, like I said, 12, 13, 14 hour days. Mm. Yeah sometimes 11 days on two days off if you're staff or if you're doing eight on six off either way you're doing long you know stretches of yeah. field work you really do have to to um take time and you have to take time for your mental health and you have to take breaks you have to take some mental yeah. days mm-hmm. Very important yeah you know what's interesting I, I think, uh, oh. go ahead richie I was going to say, um, I feel like a lot of people out there might not know what comp time is, especially if they're students or people who are new to the industry. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of companies, I mean, some companies don't do it, right? Yeah. Well, it depends on, it depends on your level. Um, yeah, you're right. Sometimes they don't. If you're salaried in some states, uh, they don't have to pay you for, for work over 40 hours. And in fact, a lot of salaried positions, they even make you sign an offer letter or a hire letter that says, You'll, you're expected to work 45 hours a week. Um, I've seen 45 is a pretty common thing for salary positions. Um, and then you either, I would almost prefer you don't get paid for the um, over 45 because if you do it right, 
and your company is cool with it, like sometimes, sometimes you do need to put in a 15 hour day, right? But then you can put on a four hour day the next day and they shouldn't really say anything because it all yeah. evens out. You know, it should be, if you're salaried, it should be more task based work than hourly based work. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. you should just be able to take time off when you have fewer tasks to do. Like the job I'm doing now um, for this company out of Australia, there are some times when I'm putting in 60 hours a week for this company. And there are some mm. times when I have a lighter client load just because it, it's based on the sales cycle. Some clients are quicker than others to get done. And then when I have a lack of clients and maybe just one or two before they hand me two or three more, I might have some lighter weeks. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's made up for by the weeks that I was uh, slamming it, you know, and, and trying yeah. to get this done. Um, and I think that's where salary is. But comp time, I think, is it's great. But again, it's a little bit evil because it it, yeah. it makes it so you're you're making this extra money. Anything over forty hours is typically comp time. It's at your regular rate. It's not even time and a half typically, and it's like banking vacation almost. Um, yeah. Because typically with comp time, I mean a lot of companies they don't even give you vacation and sick time if you're getting <laughs> comp time because that is your that, that is, is your time in the yeah. bank and you just yeah. use that. Yeah. Yeah. But but I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it encourages people to take time off. Yeah. Which is why I'm a little bit iffy on it. But it was a good severance package. Like I said. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. How did you feel about going out in the field, Jenny? Like, you know, during this whole time thing? Because I was oh, like a little nervous. Corona, yeah. yeah. Pandemic. Um, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, you come from a bigger city or from Reno and you see people wearing masks and you see people... Yeah, you know, acknowledging this the six feet social distancing, and that's a fairly common um, behavior that people are doing. And then you go out to these remote towns in Nevada, and it's a completely different <laughs> community mindset and approach to this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we were out working, um, <laughs> you know, out at that location, yeah, yeah. it was weird that. Yeah, you know, I mean, before we went onto the job site, we got, you know, the gun with your forehead for your temperature. Yeah. We mm -hmm. got that and we would sign a form asking if you've had, if you've been exposed to anyone with COVID, if you've had any symptoms, and then you just say, no, no. And then you sign your name, <laughs> you turn it in. Um, but yeah, n nobody wore masks. Um, nobody wore, nobody did the, the six feet social distancing and you would have um, a safety meeting with like, you know, 30, 40 construction guys talking about safety <laughs> for the day. And it's like, all right, everyone huddle up. We're going to talk about safety. Um, <laughs> so it was just a little, I was a little surprised by, you, you know what I mean? But it's, it's a difference between like when you're in a rural setting and True. nobody wears a mask to the grocery store or the <laughs> gas station. And then you feel weird when you wear a mask because oh my God, yes. old men, <laughs> give you a very wonderful and sweet explanation as to why you don't need a mask. Um, yeah, you know, it's just going to different places. It's just a, a little, it was a little weird. Not going to lie. Wait, um, when I was at that grocery store, I was actually tempted to stock up on all the toilet paper when I saw that the whole aisle <laughs> was still full. Yeah. Yeah. No, they weren't, they were not um, as concerned <laughs> as some places. <laughs> no. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, it's not out here. It's only in places like Reno and Vegas. And I had just driven across the state of Nevada five and a half hours and showed up from Reno and went to the grocery store. And I'm like, uh, well, I came from Reno. so." <laughs> and the crazy part is, is that, you know, 
they've got like the main focal point of those towns is the gas station. If there's any place that they're going to yeah. get it, it's from there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's great that archaeology and CRM in general um, yeah. is, is considered essential. And a lot of people have been able to keep their jobs through this whole experience. True. Um, I think it's great that archaeology, like at whatever level you're at at a company, you can work from home. I mean, unless you're doing like GIS work, it's a little harder. True. But you can write reports. You can call people. You can do Zoom meetings and stuff from home. Um, yeah. And it's cool to see that Fieldwork is still doable. I don't know if some companies <laughs> are having problems with finding hotels. Oh. In places I didn't think they about that. Work. Yeah. I didn't think about that, huh? Because I haven't had any trouble yet. Businesses open, right? In order to go do the fieldwork. True. Man, makes makes me think. You know, I should get that camper out of storage and start using it. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) Is that the one that goes on the back of the truck, or you? Oh well, I have a little trailer that I can haul around, but um, I haven't. I've never used it yet, at least in the field. (laughs) Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, I've got a. I've got a small project that I do every year uh, up near Elko uh, at the Jarrett Canyon mine, just an hour north of there. Yeah. And um, it's usually just a one day thing. Uh, I'm, it's like twice as much work as it used to be because I'm doing kind of BLM and Forest Service stuff at the same time on the same day. So it is kind of a full day, uh, which means get up there the day before because we usually start right at first light because there's there's like eight different archaeology sites I got to visit Old and they're day. spread all over uh, this mine. I mean, Richie's been to the, the before the, as we usually um, start right that, we, that I light. have done every year. Shoot. Now we're adding There's on like four new different. ones every year and uh, it's just a lot of traveling. So, but anyway, um, that, that place is, a, it's about an hour North of Elko. Yeah. And my wife's coming out there with me uh, to assist uh, on a, on a Friday. And because it's kind of a weekend that we're doing this, um, there's a there's a reservoir called the Wild Horse Reservoir about 20 minutes north of that mm-hmm. um, of that mine. So we're actually going to drag the boat all the way out there, and that Wild Horse Reservoir at the campground has a boat launch and pull through spots. So you can have your boat, your um, your trailer, whatever you're going to have, plus a tent, and and they've got bathrooms and uh, oh, wow. it's nice. And and as a veteran, since it's a state um, campground, I can stay there for free. So that's mm-hmm. nice. It's only like 10 bucks a night. <laughs> I can still stay there for free. So um, yeah. Uh, you know what the heck, but uh, but I like it. It's 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 going to be better than staying in Elko, I think, because you are tempted when you are doing field work, especially like here. We were just talking about it when we were out at this uh, RV show this morning. How many people were out at the Legends Outlet Mall here in Sparks? Um, I mean, there was a hundred people in line at Shields. Nobody was distanced at all, except for the normal, you know, family <laughs> grouping distancing. And maybe 1% of them had masks on. There was even a line in front of Old Navy. Like, what's so important Wait, that really? you got to stand in line at Old Navy to get in and spend Wait, really? six bucks on a pair of pants? I mean, seriously, get them online. But uh, anyway, um, I, I'm going to like for the weekend not staying in Elko because you're just tempted to go out. You're tempted to go, you know, get you know, food. A lot of places and- are open there, too. Um, yeah. I had to yeah. go buy a long sleeve shirt. So I went to that Cal, what, the Cal Ranch store. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was packed. It was packed. There was people in line buying guns. I, You know, it's Elko. There was, I was surprised. There was a lot of people there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Although, I'm going to um, like not being in Elko and just staying north of there. And <laughs> even if we can't, for some reason, put the boat in the water, even if that falls through, we'll just have our tent and stuff, and we'll spend yeah. probably three nights there and come home Sunday just to have the weekend. So, 
That's well, the mining, it's interesting. The mining store yeah. in Elko, supposedly they were only letting people, they weren't letting people into the front door or something like that. They had some pretty serious measures there. And yeah, um, the mine store downtown. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Carlin Trend. Yeah, yeah. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. It used to be across the street from the Stray Dog, that place. Oh, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I think it yeah. still is. Yeah. 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 And then who was it? The Wells, the Wells Fargo. When I went there, they were um, definitely were only letting one person to store at the time, and they were um, they were spraying you down, make sure that, <laughs> with hand sanitizer, <laughs> which I appreciated, yeah. even though I was using the drive-through. <laughs> right, right. So hopefully they're taking, nice. I mean, slightly seriously ish. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jenny, uh, what? I mean, you're, and feel free to, you know, we'll. We'll we'll scrub this, but um, if you don't want to, but I'm curious because we we do talk a lot of stuff on this uh, live stream that has nothing to do with archaeology. Because Richie's point was, well, kind of all has to do with the field yeah. of being an archaeologist. You know, like as an as a as a field archaeologist, as a CRM archaeologist, we're always doing other stuff, and sometimes we come back, sometimes we don't. So, what are you doing right now? What is your what is your focus that you're getting into? Oh, so right now, <laughs> um. Well, I guess I'll preface it with this. So um, my specialty in archaeology was historic archaeology, um, focusing on mining history. So I've done a lot of mining history stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I've always been interested in jewelry and antique jewelry. Um, and I've kind of, I was always wanting to get into the jewelry business. So I kind of had an opening in life where I thought, why not? Um so I ended up getting a job at a local jewelry store here in Reno called BBW Jewelers. I'll do a oh. show. Oh, um, wait, what's, I'm, what, I'm what's the name? Huh? What's the name again? Let me look it up. BBW Jewelers. BBW. Oh, oh there they are. Okay. All right. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to school right now. I'm taking online classes at the Gemological Institute of America. Um, mm. So I'm going to become a certified gemologist and do a lot of appraisals, like antique appraisals. Um, for insurance purposes. So yeah, I do a lot of, it's kind of weird because it's, it's, it, it's very, it overlaps in a lot of ways and doing historic archeology span and doing jewelry. Like I went from, you know, counting and measuring and describing flakes to <laughs> counting, measuring and describing and sorting diamonds. Um, you know, that sounds more fun. Calipers, so I take calipers and I measure all these loose diamonds and I sort them into different, bags and so i mean it's it's pretty cool it's pretty similar um but yeah i kind of want to find a way uh, especially doing gemology yeah. it kind of overlaps a little bit with mining history and understanding the mm -hmm. markets and understanding how gems are mined in the world yeah. um, looking at more of like the family heirlooms and the tradition and like the oral histories of jewelry and how important it's the same thing within archaeology. We have material objects that we give meaning to. Yeah. And that's what we study as archaeologists. So jewelry right. in that sense is just another area of uh, another subfield of artifacts is the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. You know, how people deal with jewelry and pass it on to their family members. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of want to do more of like jewelry history. Um, and appraisals. Yep. And there's also a career field that's new that's really exciting if you want to look it up. It's called Archaeogemology. 
Oh, really? Nice. Yes. It's so cool. So it it started in, um, there's this woman named um, Dr. Lule, L-U-L-E. And I don't really know how to pronounce it. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, But she kind of started this career field called archaeogemology about three years ago. So it's really new. Mm. It's only currently done in in Europe and um, more of Eastern Europe. So I don't really know. I haven't been able to find anyone on the internet that even does it in the United States. But basically, she is a mineralogist and a gemologist, and she subcontracts out to archaeology, to archaeologists. So she has basically a company that gets hired on by archaeologists to study any gems or any jewelry that they find within excavations hmm. or on their sites. And she will find the location of, you know, kind of like sourcing obsidian. You find out, you know, where was the source? Where did it come from? What year was it mined? Um, so it's kind of doing more of like a historical detective work on jewelry found in archaeology. Plus, there's also archaeology of jewelry, you know. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that you can do with it. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing. Chris Webster here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. We strive for high-quality interviews and content so you can find information on any topic in archaeology from around the world. One way we do that is by recording interviews with our hosts and guests located in many parts of the world all at once. We do that through the use of Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Zencaster allows us to record high-quality audio with no stress on the guest. Just send them a link to click on, and that's it. Zencaster does the rest. They even do automatic transcriptions. Check out the link in the show notes for 30% off your first three months or go to zencastr.com and use the code TAS. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, I just heard through the grapevine uh, that you were working at a jewelry store. That's how that distills down into you're working <laughs> at a jewelry store. Yeah. Doing yeah. like a present and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but that is actually super cool. And it sounds yeah. like you need to contact her and you guys can co-host the world's first archaeogemology podcast together yeah. uh, on the Archaeology Podcast Network. So Yeah. Um, or do I a lot of papers. We'll call it, we'll, we'll call it yeah. Flakes to Diamonds. Flakes to Diamonds. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm giving a presentation on July 1st at the Reno Gem Society, and I'm going to be talking about archaeology and historic mining and archaeogemology and kind of how it all overlaps and what I've been doing in the past and what my goals are and where I'm I'm planning on merging it all. Um, cool. So I am doing that. Well, I'm about that. So I was going to email her for that. Um, yeah. And I've been trying to find some sources online about archaeogemology because it's mm-hmm. so new and because there's technically only one company right now that does it in Europe. Um, there's not much out there on it. 
Yeah, is it what is it, is it Dr. Lully? <laughs> yeah, L U L U L E. Ah, I'm looking at her website right now. Yeah, is their website? Of, I believe she's out of Turkey. Oh, really? Ah. But yeah, if you Google archaeogemology, it's a company. The, the company has, um, like, it talks about you know the applications and what it is and how it came about. Cool. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at the website right now. Neat. Yeah, so that's kind oh. of a, uh, you know a way to still kind of hold on to archaeology and do it, but also kind of transition into something else. Um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, love to in, have my own company doing appraisal work. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in Southern California, I know of archaeologists who do nothing but specialize in, um, like, um, cataloging and looking through historic artifacts. Instead of, like, going out, they just have people send stuff to them. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they still consider themselves nice. an archaeologist. Yeah. I mean, this one yeah. person I'm thinking of is the most archaeologist archaeologist I've ever met, but <laughs> I'm not going to mention his name. <laughs> well, and that's another thing, too. So I was laid off from the jewelry store because of the coronavirus, because we yeah. had you know, mm-hmm. shut down following the um, the governor's shutdown policy. Um, yeah. So anyways, that's how I, a couple weeks ago, ended up going back out in the field. Um <laughs> So, I mean, it's kind of great. Archaeology came through when I was laid off, and I thought, well, I can go do fieldwork for a couple weeks and <laughs> still do my online classes for GIA. And yeah, so just because you leave it doesn't necessarily mean you 100% leave it. You can yeah. still visit it every now and then. <laughs> well, that's the way I looked at it when I was at the bookstore. <laughs> you yeah. know, I just, you know, I just looked at it as like something it is a hobby. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you're using that, you know, you're, com- you're you combining the two experiences, um, the new one you're learning now and then your archaeological experience. Oh, and that's the way I looked at it. And you know, really thinking store. about bringing those two <laughs> ah, together, which is, I think, something not enough people do. You know, they get into CRM archaeology and then they get burned out on just doing field work and stuff and not really focusing yeah. on anything and not really looking at how they can take that skill set and maybe meld it with something else they're interested in mm-hmm. and then almost invent a new field even. I mean, you said this is relatively new. People have probably been looking at you know, uh, antique or historic, uh, gems and things like that through time, because we have stuff from thousands of years ago. However, making a specific study about that and really getting into it. Um, I mean, that's brand new, like you said, and that's, super yeah. cool, you know, well, and if, if you have, say you have a lot of jewelry, you know, in Egyptian times or Roman times on a lot of those sure. archeological sites, you can learn a lot about the trade networks, and socioeconomic yeah. status and the hierarchy of how the culture was set up. Like a lot of the the concepts that archaeology, that archaeologists use, you can apply that um, yeah. to sourcing gems and sourcing jewelry. Do yeah. you think there's a, I, I'm sure with, um, I'm sure with, uh, what is it? Like, like jewelry settings, you know, those have, those are probably definitely cultural, you know, people set gemstones and, and polished stones and things like that into different mm-hmm. settings through time. But I'm wondering about like diamonds have always had like specific cuts to them. I wonder if you can really trace that back to, you know, oh, oh if you see this cut a thousand years ago on a diamond, it, you know, it belongs to this kind of culture. Or if they people just figured out early on how to make diamonds look really good. <laughs> it hasn't changed much. Yeah. So. I mean, it's the same thing with can technology, right? You can look at a can and say, yeah. oh, it's, it was made this way, so based on the technology, it's it's this old. It's the same thing right, with, right. with specific cuts of diamonds and gems. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. You know, because the technology the technologies change. 
So you can yeah. kind of do things that way. And the styles um, change. Yeah. People's taste. But there's also, I want to give a shout out to one of my favorite yeah. jewelers because she used to be an archaeologist. The same oh, company, really? Right. Yeah. So um, there's a jeweler yeah. out of California who makes, well, let me, let me step back. So she yeah. was an archaeologist and did a lot of work in Peru, I believe, Ooh. and then was working at the Met um and was working in like textiles or jewelry or whatever so anyway she was curious about the stuff that she was curating um and then ended up taking some like historic goldsmithing classes and now she makes jewelry based on like byzantine egyptian roman styles but she will make them using the the old ways the the old um technique of like, so you can see with like hoses and she'll like blow the gold and, oh man, her Ooh. stuff's really great. Um, so it has Ooh, a nice. really heavy, like archeological influence on the jewelry that she makes. Cool. Um, What's her name? Her name's, um, Lauren Nicole. Mm-hmm. And her yeah. stuff is incredible. Yeah. So it's, it's very like Egyptian. She's got a different, a uh, couple different lines that focus on different historic eras, but. Um, mm-hmm. So you do see that quite a bit too, where you can have a jeweler and their jewelry is heavily influenced with them being an archaeologist. Um, yeah, I wanted to send a shout out to her because I really like how she started out as an archaeologist and became a jeweler and has <laughs> used her knowledge and her love of history and kind of like translated that into the art that she makes. Huh, that's kind of like um that's kind of like god i always forget the name of the brewery but the brewery who makes those like crazy interesting beers that they oh they, from they, the from the stuff that they find in the yeah lots of yeah that's uh i know you're talking oh. about it's one of my favorite beers uh, oh my god i've only tried um midas touch and that stuff goes flat so quickly oh that's <laughs> what i was thinking of is it not midas touch <laughs> yeah but that's um what that's one of the beers but the brewery behind it i forget their name <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, hey, I was going to mention too, because um, Richie actually stopped by last night. We had some of his mail after he's done with his field work, and we <laughs> sat and talked for a bit. He was mentioning the the appraisal thing, and and my wife was there, and she's got my family doesn't hand down anything except for debt, so I have nothing. But um, <laughs> you know, that's that's how they are. But her family, she she has a especially on her mom's side. Um, I mean, they have a tradition of you know handing things down from time to time, and so my wife's got, well, first off, she's got an engagement ring. The engagement ring I bought her um, before we got married, that was like a 1930s Art Deco style um, diamond ring. Oh, I love Art Deco. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then she's got, um, I think, like four other rings that were handed down from, you know, great aunts, uh, grandparents, whoever. And, and they're all from probably the early 1900s or earlier. And uh, they've never been appraised. And we've <laughs> never had them on our insurance. And I was like... Man, if you need some like student uh, pieces to to appraise <laughs> your business, yeah, we'll, yeah, absolutely. How do you take a look at them? <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. the thing. Everyone has well, not everyone, but the majority of people <laughs> yeah. have family heirlooms or jewelry that they inherited from grandma or an aunt yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, it is. It's always a good idea to get jewelry appraised and yeah. put it on your insurance because you Ooh. can have a lot more value than you think you have. I mean, mm-hmm. you could just be like, oh, it's just, you know, that's not worth that much. Um, but you never know. Well, so it's you, definitely get, get yourself appraised. Have you learned anything yet about um, 
how often you should get it appraised because I'm sure the value changes through the years. You know, if you had it appraised 20 years ago, it might be worth something yeah. different now, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Cause the price of gold changes or platinum, yeah. you know, you do have that market influence. Um, I would say if it's been 20 years, I would recommend getting it reappraised. Oh. Um, sometimes when you get a new insurance plan or a new policy, mm -hmm. you sometimes new need to get new, a, a new appraisal with that. Um, yeah. But it's always yeah. good. You know, it's just like anything you have uh, that could be worth value. It's always good to see what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to, like you said, put it on the insurance because you... The house, we have a house here, and if our house burns down, um, <laughs> we can say we had fifty thousand dollars worth of diamond rings in the house, but they're not just going to write us a check for that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is interesting because this is where it's kind of like archaeology. Um, yeah. When you have a say, you have all your jewelry, and it's basically like a collection, your collection of jewelry, and you need to inventory yeah. your jewelry. You need to document it. Yeah. Not necessarily provenience it. But um, for insurance purposes, too, a lot of times if you take photos of the jewelry on you, like say you're appraising your ring and you take a photo of it on your hand, you have a better chance of getting all of the money back and then some because it's proof that you owned it. Because if oh. you say, oh, I had X, Y, and Z, I had all these things, you can't really yeah. it. But if you have an Excel, say you have an Excel database of all the jewelry yeah. you own, um, what it is, if there's any like trademarks on it or styles, uh -huh. or whatever. describe it, whatnot, photo it. So yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like you're doing a, a, a whole inventory of your, of your jewelry. So that just nice. helps too. Like say your house burns down, that'll help. Yeah. Wow. That is a good idea actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nice. Plus, nice. plus, it almost sounds like something you'd do, you know, when you were first describing that, it made me think about kidnapping someone. <laughs> you were like, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> that made you think of kidnapping someone? Yeah, because, you know, you always like throw down like a newspaper or something, you know, if you ever watch those movies <laughs> that prove that, you know, that you had them on this date or something. Oh, like like a, new, a today's date newspaper. Yeah. When you're taking a picture yeah. with your ring. I was thinking actually including a picture of a newspaper with a date on it uh with the picture for the insurance i think that's what richie's talking about rather than uh you know actual <laughs> kidnapping other human beings i know i've been watching too much um hulu lately <laughs> so, so richie what is in that old travel trailer of yours who do you keep in there <laughs> nothing so far it's um it's empty aside from a stove and an ice box and a sink that isn't hooked up to anything oh man Nice, nice. I know. It was one of those things yeah. where it's, you know, I bought it for, I bought it because of an archaeology job and then hopefully, and I haven't been using it because I've been too busy. And now I was thinking I'd wanted to go camping, you know, for instead of mm -hmm. staying in motels. So now I'm going to get it out of the storage. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's a long story, but there used to be, in fact, I think there's still an RV storage place in Bishop. I used to drive by that all the time and it was just parked out front. And so suddenly I just like, I stopped and then someone came outside and then suddenly the next thing I knew I had a camper that I didn't know what to do with. <laughs> All right then. I know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm liking the whole gem thing. I'm glad you're giving a presentation. You probably yeah. don't have it done yet because we yeah, are no, putting no, on, 
<laughs> we are putting on a virtual conference on May 30th, which is a week from yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's cool. Saw yeah. That. So I'm going to put the link in there just in case someone oh, yeah. comes back and watches this. Yeah, I'll drop yeah. the link right in the uh, uh, in the chat here. But yeah, it's it's going to be good. It's a, it's a little bit of a... I'll talk about that for a second since I brought it up. I didn't mean to talk about it, but the um, it really is a dry run uh, to test out this new... Um, basically virtual conferencing platform that that we found called crowdcast and we need to make okay. sure it's going to work um we've got i don't know a handful of people signed up right now we've got a keynote speaker we've got i think five or six presenters right now we were hoping for nine but you know we've just been we didn't really widely publicize the fact that we were looking for presenters we were just kind of trying to hit uh you know a few people that we knew because we didn't want we didn't want a flood of random presentations because we are only taking about nine of them. We just want to kind of hit a few people and say, hey, if you happen to have something you didn't present this year, but you have ready to go, let's let's do this. But uh, the idea is that it's going to be uh, it'll definitely be free and um, free to present, free to attend. And this particular one, um, the presentations will end up on the Archaeology Podcast Network YouTube channel. It's all said and done. So it's got to be stuff that you're willing to, cool. you know. Yeah. let out to the general public but this yeah. is an advance of a much larger conference that we're hoping to have hundreds of presenters at thousands of attendees and still be totally free because it doesn't actually cost that much money to use this software and put that on we would need volunteers to manage the concurrent rooms and then we'll take all the videos of the presentations and we're going to put those behind a paywall but it's going to be a cheap paywall it's like 30 bucks for a virtual ticket if you want to go view all the presentations um how do we <laughs> I know. And, you know, I'm hoping to, I mean, obviously this is spurred on by coronavirus, but it's also a little yeah. bit in response to the mess at the SAAs last year. Um, oh. Know, the, uh, the incident with that Alaskan professor. And, <laughs> mm. you know, people were so pissed off right after that. In fact, I'm part of a Slack team and I was part of the Facebook group and all the stuff that was set up to put on an alternate conference to the SAs. Of course, that all failed miserably. And I'm kind of glad <laughs> it did because if they'd put a bunch of effort into it, it would have failed anyway because of the coronavirus. We didn't know that was coming. But I'm hoping mm. that we keep this thing going for other reasons because the reasons we all go to conferences are kind of changing. And it's not necessarily to present your work. It is for the presenters sometimes, but everyone else goes to meet people and network. Network. Yeah. You know? Be your yeah. friends. Have fun. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I would rather have ideas. I would rather have events that are put on almost more with that focus and less upon the focus of actual presenting, and then use things like the conference we're going to put on because I want to do it probably three times a year forever as long as we can. Yeah. Wow. So people have people have an ongoing place to just present their work and and have it um, and have it available and uh, and do it for free. And you know, always make attendance free. Always make presenting free and just charge for the virtual ticket that people want to, you know, get their stuff in the long run uh, and be able to see everything. So that's what I would do. Cause even if, even if you do put something together and you go to a conference, I mean, you've worked for government agencies and stuff like that before. A lot of times you're only, you're only funded to go to like one conference and you've got to pick and choose which one you're going to go to. You can't go to all of them. And, you know, and the one you go to, what was there? Six people in the room? Maybe if you're lucky, maybe 20 people, if it was like well attended, you know, but even yeah, at the SAs. Like what time you're booked at, what slot, if you're at 6 a.m. on a Friday, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any, anyone on the Sunday morning session knows they're speaking to an empty room. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh you know, God, the yeah. ability to present and then record that and then have it available later, then somebody that presented that, even if the room was empty, 
they would be able to um, take that information and share the link out and say, here's the presentation I gave. You know, if you want to see this again, uh, mm -hmm. go check it out. And we just offer that. And then you can be able to, you know, present at more than one conference throughout the year as well. So yeah, that's, that's great. That's the end goal here. I don't know if we'll be able to pull it together, but. Well, hopefully with that too, even if you have actually like conferences that you attend, I know that you've brought mm -hmm. this up in the past too, where it's like all these people present at these conferences, but they're not documented they're not preserved. No. You can't go back and rewatch someone's presentation um, unless you were in the audience and you happen to be recording a video on your phone, but there's no platform yeah. to be able to, to record all of those presentations. No. And it's, it's crazy that it's not being done too. And I, I don't know why these companies, um, and they really are corporations <laughs> like the SAA, the SHA. Yeah. I don't RPA. know why they don't RP. Well, yeah, but I don't know why they don't, um, put more of an emphasis on, on preservation of these talks. I mean, we're all about preservation of these things. And yet yeah. the presentation of this information is not preserved anywhere except in their, they're so proud of their little abstract book. They're like, Oh, here's proof that you were at the conference and you did this thing. Like, this is what you can cite. I was like, no, I mean that sure. Great. Thanks for that. But <laughs> nobody can see my presentation now and all this work I put into it. Yeah. Know? But if you have, I mean, it's kind of like who owns the data, who owns the information because if That's you true. have, slides where you have maps showing, you know, um, site sketch maps and locations of where sure. things are located and well, that's true, whatever like that. Right. That's pretty much the issue why that needs to be that way. And that's, that's absolutely true. And you would have to, you would have to almost, um, you know, make it known and cause people could pretty easily alter their presentations to not, to not show that information. It's not important to the people in the, in the audience, to show the coordinates or the exact location of this site. It's really not like, I don't care where it's at specifically no. on this hillside down this road. You can show me that it's in Elko County, Nevada, and I won't know any different. Right. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's about thinking about your data differently for a wider audience and making sure that, um, you know, you do strip out that really identifying information, which in the end doesn't really add a lot to the presentation anyway. It's just extra information that most people want to know, well, what was your hypothesis and what are your conclusions? I mean, that's what we're there for. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen and what actually happened? You know, that's what we want to see. Um, ah. I don't know. Yeah. Now, if you're showing like human remains and things like that, which are appropriate in that kind of setting, yeah. but not appropriate to show to the general public on a YouTube channel, then <laughs> you've got to consider that too. And maybe we have some other stuff that's more locked down or maybe people can opt out of having their presentation, you know, or have like, a Saturday session or all like every presentation that's done on Saturday is okay to be broadcasted, but then everything sure. that's sure. on Sunday has sensitive information in it. So therefore you're not going to broadcast. Yeah. Okay. Maybe if you did you're something right. like that. You may have heard my pitch for membership. It's a great idea and really helps out. However, you can also support us by picking up a fun t-shirt, sticker, or something from a large selection of items from our T public store. Head over to arcpodnet.com slash shop for a link. That's arcpodnet.com slash shop to pick up some fun swag and support the show. I think yeah. I'm more excited by the interactive um, prospects of people being able to ask questions. <laughs> because, I mean, right now, when you, go to, um, when you go to a session, there's people usually are so far behind that there's no time to ask questions or have any real discussion. Mm -hmm. Well, that's yeah. why you talk at the bar, right? Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the well, network yeah, is. Yeah. 
this first um this first test conference we're doing our format was basically uh three hours of conference with the, with a half hour keynote and then question yeah. a half hour of questions after that um as needed but the three hour block before that was basically three 15 minute presentations that we run concurrently and then um, 15 minutes of questions. But that also leaves us 15 minutes to reset for the next hour and get back on schedule. You know, so if we're off by like five yeah. minutes, maybe we'll only have 10 minutes of questions and then we can start right back up on the hour um, after that, because we need to have some sort of clarity like that, because when we were on the bigger conference, like my co-founder for the APN, he's over in Scotland and we've got people around the world really that are helping volunteer right now doing different things. So the minute we started thinking about putting on a virtual conference, it had to be a worldwide conference. We had to think about it that way. Yeah. That's why the one we're putting on on May 30th starts at nine o'clock in the morning Pacific time, because that's 4 p.m. GMT in the UK. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not British summertime, but it's 4 p.m. GMT, I guess. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, um, when we're looking at the bigger one, I mean, ideally, this conference kind of would run. I don't know if the first one would because I don't think we could pull together the people to do it. But I want to run it in multiple concurrent sessions, multiple languages, and 24 hours a day for about four days. That way, wow. your conference wow. is happening in your time zone in your language, right? So, yeah. If we have people, an entire session based on you know Chinese archaeology, the Chinese archaeologists are presenting that with a Chinese uh, session host, so they can understand them. They don't have to present in English, and I mean they can if they want, but they don't <laughs> have to. And um, you know they can they can still have this venue as a place to do that, and yeah. uh, and that's kind of the idea. So we'd run it. We'd have to run it, um, you know, full on like that because I'd rather do that than put on like nine different conferences. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just do one and then slot people in where they belong time zone wise and language wise. So, so interesting. You know. Chris, do you think that this is giving us an insight as to how conferences are going to be run in the future? I like, hope do so. Do you think once we start doing this, is this going to be something that becomes more common and more? I hope so. Because I think yeah. uh, Richie and I were talking about this last night. I think yeah. the, you know, I'm 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 sad that my my firm belief that the coronavirus lockdown and the deaths and things are going to continue for the next year. I mean, I don't. It's not this this Memorial Day weekend is going to go down in history as probably the turning tide <laughs> for the coronavirus when it got super bad because yeah. we mm -hmm. all think it's okay and we're all outside, opened up, and you know, it is mm -hmm. yeah. And this is two weeks from now. We're going to find out exactly how bad this decision was. And um, mm. but even if even if it's not that bad just just looking at the vectors for this thing it's going to go into the fall and i think we're going to be all back into lockdown again so mm. well that's terrible Maybe when I, the flu hits as well it might be exactly exactly yeah. and like i said well that's terrible um obviously i think uh two months or a, or a spring into summer is not enough time to change human behavior right no. and as, yeah. as we can see the states states reopened and everybody's trying <laughs> to go back to normal we need yeah. We almost need a year of this altered behavior for it to stick and an, an entire year of no conferences, an entire year <laughs> of, you know, people not being able to meet like that to change our behavior on what we think is possible. So I think it's possible, but I don't know. Well, the thing well, is, is that, um, oh, 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 go ahead. Oh, sorry, Richie. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I can see how a lot of people who have gotten to work from home, how people are not going to want to go back to work. And maybe a lot of companies are going to have more people work from home now. And maybe that'll be kind of more common practice. I would be sad yeah. if conferences went more online. 
Mm. Um, I think it's good to have that in addition, but you know, I was pretty bummed when my conference got, got canceled <laughs> and put off for another year, you know, what are yeah. you going to do? But well, I mean, you know, yeah. Chris and I were about to go to the um, Society for California Archaeology meeting when that whole thing just yeah. shut oh, down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I the reason they didn't go to the NAAs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think I think just changing the focus of conferences is what really needs to happen. Like we should have we should be presenting yeah. our research in a virtual way because it's accessible to more people. It really fits the ethical mandate of you know, that, that most societies that you belong to from RPA to SA or whatever says, Hey, yeah. share what you're doing with the general public in the safest way as possible. Like you, your responsibility as an archeologist is to educate people and, yeah. and sh- take what you find and share it. And yet, and yet we have these True. lockdown conferences where in a lot of cases, that's the only place somebody ever presented it. You have some grad <laughs> student or somebody that's doing fantastic work. They agonize for an entire semester on writing a a really terrible PowerPoint presentation <laughs> to give it to four people in the room and no one else is ever going to talk about it ever again. What's the point? Yeah. Right. So if we, if we had these more frequently and virtual and then take the physical conferences, acknowledge the reason that we're there, have more networking type activities, have more yeah. business building activities, have, have mm-hmm. sessions where CRM company owners and PIs can learn leadership skills and can learn proposal writing yeah. skills and stuff like that and not present research but go there yeah. to network to have those conversations face to face to do those kinds of things and just acknowledge the whole reason we're there to begin with you know yeah. it's only it's only the real young ones in the field that in myself included my first <laughs> SAA I had it planned out to the minute which yeah. papers I was going to in oh, every yeah. single really? room yep wow. you're yeah yeah <laughs> oh and I was right forth and I was finding that I was missing the first five minutes of every presentation or I get to one and they were three papers behind and now my whole schedule's off and wow. it didn't take long for me to not do that anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, for, for me, I can count like, God, for the past five years, I think I've gone to less than, sat through less than six presentations. The rest of the time, I'm just wandering the halls or hanging out where everyone else is hanging out yeah. <laughs> and talking. Yeah. <laughs> not me. I I have spent my whole conference career, I guess you could say, going to conferences. Yeah. I feel guilty if I miss if I'm late to something or if I miss. Really? Yeah. No. The last wow. conference I went to, the NAA, the NAA conference in Pahrump. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. really go to any of the papers, and I See? felt I felt so guilty. I really? felt really guilty that I didn't go. Um, you know, because I wow. slept in. Or I went to lunch, so I skipped a session, and I felt bad about it. Um, wow. Because you have that FOMO, right? You're like, what am I missing yeah. out on? I should be at all the papers. Well, I still remember one conference where I was at where I sat through someone. It was like a mining. It was a mining symposium, and they were talking about how we should catalog and like um, do site records on what was it? Tailings piles. And I'm like, that is the weirdest paper I've ever heard. I can't believe someone presented on this. I don't think I want to sit through another paper again. That's a great, that's a great topic right there. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. And then I think the very next paper was, um, I'm not gonna, I forget their name, but in order to preserve the site, they took apart completely took apart the stamp mill and then ran out of money. And so they, in order to preserve this site, there was just basically this disassembled stamp mill <laughs> on a site and it had been completely intact and like really nice looking. And then, so they closed out their paper with like all this lumber, just like piled up where the site was. And I'm like, wow, that is, 
<laughs> I almost couldn't believe my ears. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I sat through that either. <laughs> wow. I know. Yeah. Or the NAAs where I had to sit through 20 bajillion UNR students talk about, what was it, Danger Cave or something? Like every student, every student presented on the same freaking cave and decided to sit through 20 papers on this one site. And I'm like, my God, I wish I weren't stuck at this table or I wish I didn't sit near the front so I could get up and do something else. (laughs) (laughs) I know I sound like a terrible conference goer, but. (laughs) Well, you're just you're so when you're young, you're just so excited and gung-ho about everything. And then. The older you get, like, I, I guess yeah. I could say us. I guess I can call us all. <laughs> I can yeah. call you kind of don't, I mean, you still care, yeah. but you, you realize it's not as important um, yeah. mm-hmm. as when you're a grad student or when you're yeah. just starting out. You really have, you really put in your time and effort and work at conferences where the older <laughs> you get, the more it's like, okay, this is kind of a thing I do every year. It's good to yeah. see everyone. Um, <laughs> you know, it kind of changes. Mean- your view changes. Well, I was going to say some of my best conference memories are all, none of them are about the papers. They're all like, like about the parties, like the one, what was it? The one SAAs where I'm not going to say the company, but the, this company rented a suite and they had a party, a blowout, and they had a bunch of kegs and it got so rowdy that the uh, motel or the hotel kicked them out. <laughs> and so that's when I Jeez. met them. They just brought the keg downstairs and we're just like partying downstairs. And I'm like, wow, what happened? I thought you guys had a suite. And they're like, we got kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. I know. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a little extreme there. Bah. <laughs> it depends <laughs> on if you know the company. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to guess in my mind who I would think that company would be, but... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. So is your uh is the Jewish show you're working for opening up soon or are they open already? They're open already. Um oh, they are? Yeah, yeah, they're open right now. Um I'm currently not back full time yet. <gasps> mm-hmm. Um it's kind of one of those things where you can be open, but either people are gonna come or they're not gonna come, you know. So yeah. it's kind of that transit tra- uh, transitional time to see if people are gonna come or not. Um, but yeah, right now the work that he would have for me would only be about two days worth. So that's not worth kicking someone off unemployment for. Um, sure. Yeah, but I'm also doing the social media and marketing for the company. So I'm the person that posts to Instagram, Facebook um, and all nice. that every day. Um, so I am doing that as well. Cool. Ooh, how are you liking it? Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have to do any training or anything? Or are you just like, you know, just they just figured, you know, you already use Instagram. <laughs> no, stuff. not really. Um, we have a really cool light box that hooks up to an app on your phone. Really? So you run the light box through your phone and you can like, mm-hmm. you know, if you put, say you put the artifact or the piece of jewelry, um, in the center of the light box on your phone, you can have it do like 45 degrees, 360, slower, fast or whatever. And it'll, you hit play on your phone and it'll move it in the light box and you can adjust the light stuff from your phone. So, um, I've just been taking a lot of photos, um, and kind of getting back into the photography side of it too. Um, actually sounds cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's like all the fun things about archeology, span just apply it to jewelry. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Oh my. 
Oh my god, I feel like I feel like all of us are starting to do that. I mean, obviously you're making more money than I am with my little videos, but you know. I mean, I want to I find I find doing all these videos is the fun part of archaeology for me. Going places and looking at things. Like the rest of it, the filling out paperwork and all that stuff, I don't care about <laughs> as much. Yeah, you got to keep it wow. fresh. You got to do new things, you got to get new hobbies, you got to Yeah. It, it's healthy to do that for sure. <laughs> Or at the very I'm least, get out of, here. you know, get out of like the normal boring field stuff that you don't necessarily like. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at your latest Instagram post for BPW Jewelers. And oh, uh, wow. I, see, <laughs> I see the light box thing. Yeah. The, with the, with the ring sitting in like a. a, a little, yeah. A little thing and it like turn. Yeah. It turns. Yeah. Yep. Nice. nice. So yeah, really I've, been, cool. I've been doing all that stuff for a couple months. Um, yeah. Wow, it's nice. like it's like all the fun part of the lab stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Let's see. Uh... All right. Well, Richie, I think we should probably kill it for the day. This has yeah. been. Uh, this has oh, been. Oh wow! Great. It's been an hour it went, already. Uh, yeah, yeah, it has. It's it's um pretty close cool. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, and I have a can of beer to open. <laughs> I've been thinking about. <laughs> well, it's always well, fun hey. talking with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm serious about if you get if you get more into this and you have the time, maybe the jewelry store would even have you. Um, they could sponsor it by giving you time to do it. But doing a podcast about this kind of stuff, giving people information like this, and bringing in that historical yeah. component um, would be pretty cool. So you know, yeah, definitely think about it. My boss is is 100 supportive of what I'm doing, <laughs> which is fantastic. Sweet. So yeah, yeah that's absolutely. good. That's good. Good to have. Oh yeah. Definitely. We don't, that's another thing we don't always get in archaeology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <sighs> some some bosses are some bosses are, but not not all of them. <laughs> not all, all right. of them. <laughs> that's right. Well, thank you for having me on today and letting me talk about um, you know what I'm doing with jewelry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's always good. I feel like it's always good for people out there to see that, you know, you don't have to stick with the field archaeology if you want to, do, if your interest, if it doesn't interest you as a job, you yes. want to do something else. Yeah. And real quick, I just want to reiterate. Yeah. It's okay to do something else. You don't have yes. to feel guilty about it. I had a huge identity crisis and thought, who am I without archaeology? It's all I've ever done. Yeah. Um, and just because you're doing something else and you're adding on to what you've already done in life doesn't detract from what you've already done with archaeology. So yeah. it doesn't make you less of an archaeologist if you're currently not employed at a CRM company. Um, you don't yeah. lose that. Like your master's degree or whatever doesn't get taken away because you're doing something else. So um, yeah. I just want to say that it's okay to do something else. Yeah. And yeah, but yeah. I just want to reiterate <laughs> that this time around because I definitely yeah, have a lot of guilt about it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's like it's different. You know, I feel like... What you mentioned is different than some other people because um, when I worked at the bookstore, we had a whole bunch of people with master's degrees and PhDs who, um, you know, felt like they were stuck at the bookstore, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what you're talking about is completely different, you know, doing something that matches your interest and skills more than, you know, more than, you know, being in the field. Yeah. And you can try it out. You could always go back to archaeology. That's one yeah. good thing about it. There's always going to be jobs. You're always going to be able to go back to it. Yeah. So, right. Try something new, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially if, you know, you don't mind ticks or all the um, snakes. 
Or all the terrible motel rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I dress up a lot more in my current job than I ever had in archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I noticed that when I was working at um when I was working at the bookstore too. <laughs> yep. I was actually nice. using clothes I hadn't seen in years. <laughs> yeah, same. All right, cool. guys. Well, thanks a lot. And I'll just tell anybody that's listening to the recording of this on the uh, yeah. Archaeology Podcast Network. There's a number of links that we've dropped into the chat over here on the uh, Archaeology Podcast Network Facebook page. Um, just look for our videos tab and you call this Archaeology Episode 85. And yeah. uh, you can find those links over there because I'm not sure I'm going to get all these into the show notes of the uh, of the audio oh, really? version. <laughs> so, well, I might. We'll see. Yeah. Depends on how much time I have. So. Episode 80. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. There you go. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Jenny. Thank uh, you so much. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. This is fun, yeah. All right. (laughs) Oh, and before we go, we should say hello to Amy. She watches every week. (laughs) Hi, Amy. Hey, there you go. Hi, Amy. Thanks for listening to The Archaeology Show. Feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.archpodnet.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ArcPodNet. You can also find us on the Lyceum app, a podcast app just for educational podcasts. Music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero. Again, thanks for listening and have an awesome day. This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.